So um, thank you for sharing. That really gives me a little sense of, of why you're here and um, the different angles. There are many different angles to this theme. And I was reflecting a lot uh, this morning and driving over about this theme and also feeling into my own experience of myself um, and the mystery of that the mystery of ourselves. I mean, it's mysterious. This, this, the whole thing's myster- mysterious. Being alive, being awake, being aware, having consciousness, having consciousness of, of ourselves that moves through time and changes and grows and, and ages and um, expands and um, sometimes is vaporous and sometimes is, is like a brick wall. And... Uh, and I was thinking, I don't know if I know anything more or less than I did when I started practice 30 years ago. (laughs) From one perspective, you know, it's still mysterious. It's still unfolding until we die and then then something else happens. Um, So um, I'm as curious about it as I was 30 years ago when I hadn't practiced. And the, this, this, this teaching particularly of, of the Buddha's um, is one of those teachings that is an ongoing exploration because our lives are an ongoing unfoldment and they don't, they don't stop, they're not static. And so uh, the manifestation of ourselves is changing and so our relationship to that manifestation is changing. You know, it changes with our understanding, with our insight. So my, my <coughs> as I said earlier, my interest is in cultivating uh, a curiosity and a questioning rather than giving any answers. Uh, because the answers have to be experienced. You know, I can give a conceptual map of the teaching, which I'll do to some degree, but that's not what brings about any change. It's not what brings about an end of suffering. It's the actual experiential perception and knowing of that that brings about change. So through the cultivation of awareness and mindfulness, we naturally come to be more self-aware and curious about this experience of ourselves, mostly what we are tending to. And so, but the, the, the application of, of mindfulness and Dharma practice is, is to really to see, well, what is this, this thing called me, this process of I, and where is it problematic? If it's not problematic, it's not a problem. Right? It's just fine, just doing its thing, and we just go about our lives. And just as we don't really register the body when it's healthy, it's only when it's sick that we, we register necessarily. Same with, with our mental suffering. If it's not a problem, it's okay. It just does its thing. But we pay attention when we are angsting, when we're fearful, when we're contracted, when we're... Um, 
collapsing into a certain identity, when we're uh, unmoored by the shift in our identity, when we are um, wanting to be something other than who we are, then we pay attention. Because why we pay attention? Because it's painful. All those things are painful. When we don't like ourselves, very painful. In all different ways that we have problematic, charged, conflictual relationships with ourselves or, or other selves in relationship to ourself, you know, other people in relationship to ourself. So, you know, these teachings are asking us to pay attention what's going on when there's pain, when there's stress, when there's anxiety, when there's fear. And that can arise in any moment. And sometimes we don't even know why it's arising. You know, sometimes we wake up and we're just feeling a big knot in our solar plexus, in our belly, because we feel some kind of vague, gnawing sense of fear or anxiety about something. Anybody have any of that at times? <laughs> yeah, I have a little today, even. Well, I've had some last couple of weeks, and I'm like, hmm, what is that? What am I, what am I anxious about? You know, and there's various conditions I could point to, and, but nothing really says, oh, that's it, or that's it. But there's something, something that, mm, that some aspect of myself is, is concerned about. And like, okay. Hmm. okay, pay attention, see what, see what happens, and meet it, and open it, and open to it. So as we're meditating today, as you're listening, as you're sitting here, I also want you to pay attention to your own experience as the day's unfolding. So right now as you're listening, like what's happening, I want you to listen way back in yourself. So I want you to give at least 50% of your attention to your body and, and your inner experience. So not just out here, not just what's happening up here, but what's happening in, like, as, you, as you're listening, as you're responding, as you're agreeing, as you're disagreeing, as you're confused, as you clarify, like just to track your process and to track the selfing process. Right? So, so, I, so I like to think of the, the, the self, when I talk about self, I think of it more as a verb than a noun, because nothing's static, right? Particularly our sense of self is, is not static. It's always shifting, depending on conditions and mood and feeling and how much we ate for breakfast and what we had and where we are in the room and the context and the people around us. Right? It's always in, it's dynamic. So pay attention to that dynamism. Maybe you are engrossed in the, in the conversation and you forget about yourself. Or maybe it's triggering something that you, that's, that's you know, challenging. You know, maybe you're bored stiff and you want to go outside and take a hike. And it's like, so the, the hiking self wants to get, as you say, and you know, um, it doesn't matter what's happening and you just want to pay attention to it. Be curious about it. What is it telling you? How are you relating to it? You know, and so we, we take we take roles and identities. We take, you know, so right now you're in the, you're in the role of student, and I'm in the role of teacher. It's a certain identity, right? It's a it's a um, I can't think of the word. It's it's you know it's something that we put on. It's like a it's like a it's not a mask, but it's a um, persona. Huh? persona. Persona of sorts. Um, you know, maybe an hour ago you were being parent, you know, or you were being spouse, or you were being housemate. 
That's a very different sense of self. And then you shifted to maybe being a anxious driver or, or, <laughs> or road rage driver or spaced out driver, you know. And then you come here and then, there's, then there's suddenly you're in the role of student, if that's, if that's how it feels, you know, or whatever you're feeling. And I'm in the role of teacher, whatever that is. So um, to be curious about that and also to hold it lightly, I think, I think what, one of the things I've noticed with practice over the years is just holding the things l- more lightly. They're, they're all dreams. They're all, they're all just momentary dreamlike states. And, you know, and th- th- come five o'clock, you'll be in another role. You'll be back to being partner or nature explorer or, you know, coffee drinker or, you know, pizza lover or, you know, <laughs> who knows? And so this is this, this, there's something, as we become more free, there's a lightness with all of it. We don't get too heavy and stick. It's not, we don't take them too, too overly seriously. You know, we take, you know, we take the parenting role seriously, but it's also we know it's not who we are. You know? My dear friend Eugene Cash, who's sitting behind me, um, he's not really sitting behind me, his photo's sitting behind me, um, he does this practice with his daughter once a year, uh, who's now left home, uh, and he would, they would do a practice where he would say, they'd sit and look at each other, and, and he would say, I am not your father, and she would say, I am not your daughter. Just to shake up that, that fixing of the role, of, so we don't see that this person is just my father. No, they're a whole human being with many, many roles and identities and... Um, so to hold things lightly, spaciously. And then it's play. Then there's play, there's room for all of it. There's room for, for being completely empty. And we're, you know, for me, I spend a lot of time outside in nature and nature is my, is my greatest Dharma teacher and, and the easiest vehicle into this understanding of selflessness because the, the sense of self for most people it fades and dissolves much easier out outdoors when we just in when we're in embraced by an environment that's not selfing itself all the time you know they just then the sense of self relaxes quite naturally unless we're afraid but if we're not afraid then it then usually just you know relaxes and we get engrossed in the beauty and the complexity and the diversity um, and then that's beautiful and there's a certain deliciousness and peacefulness to that it's like oh finally I'm not caught up in my stuff and my worries and my plans. It's just, oh, there's just, you know, I took a hike along the coast yesterday for all day and it was just gorgeous lying by the ocean and um, there's something so just mm, profound about, about how the earth invites us to drop out of ourselves into something vaster and more beautiful. Not more beautiful, but as beautiful, but spacious. And then, you know, and then something, then we go back home and something else arises, you know, some, some, some sense of self that's, that's in relationship or that's stressed or, you know, and it's, and it's okay, so we, so we make room for that. Uh, so one of, the, one of the ways that suffering arises is when we make a problem out of any one of these transient identities, when we think, oh, this shouldn't, you know, I, sh- you know, I should be relaxed, I'm at Spirit Rock, you know, 
or I should be happy I'm with my, with my partner, you know, we're on a date. Oh, I'm not feeling kind of stressed. Okay. So, so when we start having an antagonistic relationship with what's true, then we have another story, another idea, another sense of identity that wants to compete or So, so, and the, the freedom comes in the in 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 the awareness. The freedom comes in the the spacious knowing of our experience unfolding and changing. That's the liberating doorway. That's why there's so much emphasis on mindfulness and and also with inquiry, with investigation, curiosity. So I think it's helpful to start with, the more we can start with a quality of not knowing, of suspending thinking we know who we are, what we are, why we are. So we're not in the business of analysis here. We're in the business of investigation, with, which is not necessarily the same as analysis more like an open-ended curiosity, which for me is uh, expressed in the phrase, what is this? What is this? What is this moment? What is this thing I call myself that seems to be sitting here very happily and solidly? What is this? What is this? What, 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 what is this sense of myself? What is this? thing called awareness? What is this thing called my identity? Because when we take a look, you know, which we'll be doing today, we say, we say well, let's, let's take a look at, you know, show me, show me yourself. <laughs> show me the sense of yourself. Show me your identity that, that we're so attached to and fixated on. Right? Where is it? Can anybody point to the sense of self right in this moment? What's your experience of yourself? Anybody want to say? What's your experience of yourself in this moment? What's the experience of me? Like you clearly you're not the, you're not your chair, right? Or maybe you are. Maybe you've merged with the chair. <laughs> it's another possibility. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know yourself to be in this moment? Yes. I guess struggling because I'm having so much oh, yeah, angst great. and stress at work, and um, I'm in the middle of like a five-week murder trial, and I came here to relax. I came here to relax, and I just feel like I'm. F- fighting it so much that I can't let go. So I'm fighting like the analysis, I guess, or the, the struggling with the sense of self and I'm having, I'm having trouble, I guess, opening up more to being investigative, I guess, instead of analyzing constantly. So when I use the word investigate, 
um, for you that means experience, and that means experience through your body. So when I say get curious about who's here, who you are, don't go to here, go to, well, how do I know this experience physically through my five senses? Yeah, I just feel like I'm so wound up in knots that I feel like I'm 10 steps back from where I need to be to be able to sort of open up. But yeah, well, that's, that's just another idea. So I understand that you're tense and stressed, and, and then there's an idea that I can't get to where I need to be because of all of that. So you just have to meet, just have to, it's not as easy as I say it is, you have to meet where you are, which is, oh, right now I'm really stressed, stressed, and my mind's racing and busy and agitated, and you know, obviously you're caught in a very intense work issue that's obviously, you know, it's a, it's a serious issue you're involved with. So you just have to allow that to be here. So you're sitting and your mind's racing, and can that be okay? It's, it's only when we make that not okay that it's a problem. So naturally you're caught up because you're involved in a very intense thing. Why it would be weird to, if you could drop it like that, you know. And not weird, but unusual. So I said, like, okay, so how, how can I just be here knowing that's part of my reality in this moment? And there's a desire to drop in and be here. And maybe that will happen. It will happen more likely if you stop fighting this. That's, that's the suffering right there. So, and then, and then, and then as much as you can, you know, like notice, just notice your posture, notice your backside, your legs on the chair and feel your breath and, and notice any physical coral corollaries to the mental stuff. Like how are you feeling in response to all this whirring in an intense case that you're involved in? Oh, I'm feeling really agitated or anxious. So how are you feeling in the body? I, I have feeling like I am carrying it all on my back and shoulders. Yeah. It's... Um, yeah, I'm feeling it all like right here. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm, I've never had this much, I guess, I've never had experienced sort of pain and like everything's in knots and I even had a massage yesterday and it's just, it's like it won't, it won't go yeah. away. It's all just right here in my yeah. shoulders. Yeah. So the practice is to meet that with, with kindness and with softness, with acceptance, with presence and understanding. I'll look, look at how much my body carries when I'm involved in these intense cases. Wow, that's, in, that's intense. Okay, it's good to know. Nothing you can do about it except be with it. The massage is good, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know. So, okay, good. So just noticing the, the stories or ident an identity that, that, that's being created around that you know, rather than just the data of what's happening. The data is you have an intense work situation, creates the cause and conditions for a lot of mental agitation, physical stuff. And then, and then, and then usually we make a story about that. What does it say about me? I should be like this, or I shouldn't be like this, or shouldn't, you know, a lot of shoulds and and they're, they're, just, they're just painful stories, usually. Oh, it's like this. Yeah, makes sense. Okay. Yeah, do you have the mic? Who has the mic? Ah. So the question was, do you remember what the question was? 
How am I experiencing myself at this yes, moment? Yes, thank you. I couldn't quite remember what it was. <laughs> I got a bit sidelined there. <laughs> I'm experiencing confusion at this moment because mm-hmm. because of the conflict of the concept in modern psychology to have an identity. Mm-hmm. And when when you don't have an identity, then you have an identity crisis. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. From that Maybe. point of view. <laughs> from that from point that of view. School of thought. Yes. Probably. So um, the the current anxiety is coming from and I understand of course the concept of of no self. Of, of the transience of self and the blending of self with, with, with the all. But in concrete issues, I'm, I'm meeting my, my daughter's fiancé's parents on Wednesday <laughs> for pretty much the first time, and I'm nervous. Sure. And I want to be myself. <laughs> whatever but I'm that, not sure whatever what that, that is. is. <laughs> I really just want to be relaxed and genuinely myself. Yeah. But but I'm not sure what that is. So <laughs> This is to such be a great <laughs> example because you know, I I could ask a very typical question which is and I won't do this because I I think it it's it's it, it's a it's a cheap question and it gets asked a lot in spiritual circles. Um you know, the question would be well, who is it that wants to be you know, a relaxed self, right? <coughs> who, who is that part of you, right? So there's, there's, there's different selves, as it were. There's the, there's the part of you that's going to that meeting that's, that's a little anxious and nervous, naturally. You know, for most people, that, that's, you know, it's a, it's a big deal to meet, you know, in-laws and future in-law and whatever, you know. So, um, and then there's part of you that wants to present in a certain way or would like to be a certain way. Right? And that's another part of right, another identity, you could say, right? And to be curious about that, oh, look at that. Oh, look at that part of me that's whatever that part of me is. Yeah. So, so again, it's like how many keeps taking a step back and going, oh, oh here's, the anxious, here's the anxious one. Here's the one that wants to be relaxed. And... Here's the, and then maybe another one like, oh, the, the Buddhist self, like, oh, well, you should just be Zen about the whole thing, <laughs> you know, whether you're anxious or not, you know, and that's just another identity you're taking birth in, right? So, from the perspective of awareness, it, it doesn't matter. It's just the next thing, the next unfoldment, the next presentation, the next, yeah. So, it's not about. You know, there's a lot of misun- misinterpretation about this teaching. I haven't really got anywhere near to any of that around, you know, the, the, you know, the, the typical translation is no self. And the Buddha never said anything about no self. He was just pointing to looking at the self-constructs, the way we construct a sense of self. So... Um, and he wasn't necessarily pointing to getting rid of identity either. It's not about being identity-less, but to ha- having spaciousness and awareness around whatever self and identity 
and fixation and construct arise and see how they're all conditioned. They all arise due to circumstances. You're gonna, you have a, you have a, you know, a, a meeting that you really care about. It's a condition that causes something to, a, a certain condition in the self-structure to arise. Oh, in this case, anxiety or apprehension or maybe some excitement or some anticipatory anxiety. You know. Oh, and then we notice that. And then the, you have a meeting and it's fine or it's not. And then you have another condition, which is, oh, now you feel relaxed or now you feel even more anxious because it went terribly. <laughs> or you feel great because you love them, you know. And, and then there's another sense of quality of self arises that feels really, you know, happy. You know, a proud mom or whatever, you know. Does that make sense? Is that, is that it, it does somewhat. And, and I'm, I'm looking ahead to, at that uh, meeting, then kind of being... An observer of my of all my cells. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. What else <laughs> can we I do? If I can do that, <laughs> yeah, just uh, be that. I suppose. What else is it? See to what do? happens. See what happens. <laughs> Thank you. And hopefully, when you know, as we as we worry less about how we think we should be, then it's okay how we are. However it is, and it goes, goes well, it doesn't go well, so, you know, it's, it's not in your control, really. You know, and the, the mind, whatever the mind is, you know, likes to try and plan and, you know, have things go right. Well, it's, you know, it's a good intention. Life's way more interesting than that for, it, for, it to be able to, for us to be able to dictate what happens. So, so we have to just sign up for the ride, you know. Which is, you know, I'm saying that many of the things that I say, you know, they sound really, it's, it's very easy to say, and it's very difficult to do. Like, you know, both these things, um, you, know, the, the, you know, being human is really challenging, you know. And with our conditioning and social conditioning and um, very little of this stuff is easy. You know, it's complicated. We're complex creatures and we care and we're sensitive and we're open and we feel and we get hurt easily and all of that. And, um, you know, I, I can't emphasize enough the importance of awareness and kindness. You know, it's like our, it's like our two main spiritual tools in our toolkit. We just, we, tra- we be aware of the process as it's unfolding. And we also have some compassion because we can only do what we can do. You know, and you may stay anxious all the way up to that meeting, even though you, part of your mind goes, this isn't a big deal. It's okay. I don't need to be anxious. But maybe you are. It's just, it's just, you know, it's not necessarily in our control. What we can control is, is how we relate to that kindly or not, you know, compassionately, and not make a problem out of it. That's, that's when the identity starts being problematic. When we, when we, oh, I've done so many years of meditation, I should be relaxed. Well, great, good, nice thought. <laughs> um, you know, and we have a lot of suffering actually comes from our spiritual identity, from our spiritual self, spiritual selfing, you know. Oh, I'm a meditator now, so I shouldn't, ha- I shouldn't get annoyed when I hit traffic. Well, good luck. <laughs> or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a Buddhist practitioner, so I shouldn't, I shouldn't be so concerned about myself. 
to luck. <laughs> you know, it's we're human, and these things arise. And the question comes back to, you know, can we be aware of it? Can we understand it? Can we be kind with it? Can we have some spaciousness around it? So I'm going to I'm going to go on. So this is a, a piece from Adi Lang that I like to read, and it, I think it particularly pertains to this question of self. And Adi Lang was a psychologist analyst. There is something I don't know that I am supposed to know. I don't know what it is I don't know, and yet I'm supposed to know, and I feel like I look stupid if I seem both to both not if I seem to both not know it and not know what it is I don't know. Therefore I pretend to know it. This is nerve wracking since I don't know what I must pretend to know. Therefore I pretend to know everything. I feel you know what I'm supposed to know, but you can't tell me what it is because you don't know that I don't know what it is. You may know what I don't know, but not that I don't know it. And I can't tell you, so you'll have to tell me everything. <laughs> so, does that sound familiar? <laughs> I, I, I'm teaching more and more in different corporations and, I, and I, I like to read this because particularly at work there's such a there's such a um, pressure to know I'm sorry why you get hired is why you know you why people pay you money and you know, to know something and and so to not know is is in most situations is, is a very terrifying thing you know and yet there's so much we don't know you know, especially if it's a new a new job new situation new role so this is particularly true with our sense of selves. There's something I'm supposed to know. <laughs> I don't know what it is, or I don't know what it is I'm supposed to know. So, and that's why I said that piece earlier about, you know, having explored this teaching for, you know, almost 30 years, and in some ways being no closer. <laughs> No further or no closer. It's just, I mean, it's true and it's not true, but there's, there's a certain mystery to it, which is makes it interesting. You know, if if we if if our if things were fixed, if our identity was fixed, it would be really boring, <laughs> wouldn't it? I know myself as who I am, and I'm the same tomorrow and the next day, and the next day, and that would get really dull. It would get dull for me. Be nice for a little bit. Be nice for a little bit. <laughs> it might be nice for a little bit, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Comforting, familiar. Yeah. Not that we don't have enduring patterns and habits and tendencies which we know ourselves by, and we have our physical body which we take a lot of sense of identity from that's familiar, but it's always, it is always changing, but it, there's a certain familiarity with it. 
changes slow enough that it feels familiar. So, but the key, thing we're, the key thing we're looking at, and the reason why the Buddha taught anything, was to understand how uh, we suffer. How what we do creates problems for ourselves and others. This is a cartoon that I came across recently. This is a bunch of monks sitting around, and one, one, one monk's going, yeah! Oh, yeah, first to reach enlightenment, right here, people. Woo, baby, eat my dust, ladies, yeah. (laughs) All the other monks are going. (laughs) (laughs) This would be a way that our identity creates suffering. And we can see that in meditation, you know, the, 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 you know, the different, you know, people, 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 there's many different ways, especially in psychology, that make, try to understand this process of self. You know, so sometimes people call it like we have an inner boardroom, you know, where the mind has, you know, 20 characters in voice dialogue, or many different ways to, to understand the, that, you know, you know, one day we want to, you know, get enlightened and, you know, become a monk and nun or whatever. And, and the next day I say, oh, forget that. I'm going to go to Hawaii and be a surfer and just chill out in the cabana and, you know, forget all that spiritual stuff and just be Zen with nature. And, and then the next day it's something else. Right? It's, so there's all these different seeming parts of ourselves. So I like to think of it as the inner boardroom that are always in dialogue and, you know, negotiating, compromising, usually some, some have more power than others. And uh, how, do we, how do we come to peace with that? How do we come to some, you know, negotiation and, and continuity when there's so many different sparring voices in our heads? People have this, relate to this, different voices in your heads? Yeah. So, so the Buddha, there's, a, there's a story, a famous story of the Buddha where there's a young man comes, this man called Vachagota, who asked him a bunch of questions. Um, this was a very common practice. People would come up to various spiritual teachers, a lot of great spiritual teachers around at the time when he was living, and, and they'd go check him out and grill him. You know, and so um, people knew about the Buddha's teaching on, on not-self. And so this young man, Vajragoda, came up to the Buddha and said, so tell me the truth, is, is there a self? And the Buddha remained silent. And then the man said, well, is there not a self? And the Buddha remained silent. And then Vajragoda got fed up and walked away. And Ananda, who was the Buddha's attendant at the time, said, 
you know, oh, great one who's masterful and eloquent and likes to give great teachings. How come he didn't say anything? And the Buddha said, if I had said there is a self, it would have entrenched a philosophical position of eternalism. And if I'd said there isn't a self, it would have deepened his philosophical attachment to a view of nihilism. And whatever I was said would have just led to more speculative views and opinions, not experience. And the Buddha was very uninterested in teaching philosophy. He wanted people to, to get experiential understanding that would liberate them from suffering. That was his only reason for teaching. So this is very true in our case. The point of this teaching, as, as perplexing as it is to the mind, which it is, because the mi- for the mind it's very hard to hold conceptually the sense of not-self, the sense of the self being contingent, being dependent, being um, insubstantial. Because our experience is, it feels very real and solid and enduring in time, and certain and fixed, and and this is me. Right? <coughs> Someone says, "Do you know who you are?" Most people say, "Yeah, I know who I am. I'm, you know, this is me, and uh, my name's so and so, and I live here, and I got this job, and and you know, we we take our identity around certain things, and I'll talk about what we take our identity around later." And then we build a, f- a philosophical position or views around that identity that we that we experience a lot of suffering as a result this idea of who we are or who we think we should be and what we do with with those stories so often the, 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 one of the easiest ways to notice this is is the word should Maybe you notice this word in your, your mind using this word should a lot. Well, I should be like this, or I should be like that, or I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be doing that. I shouldn't be angry, I should be a good person, I should be this. And these are all just ideas, usually to support a certain identity, a certain idea of who we think we are and, how that ide- and who that person should be. Not necessarily a bad thing, but is is the cause for a lot of our our difficulty. So the story that I, there's many stories that can illuminate this. One story is that when I was teaching in India and um, there was a young man on retreat who reported in in a meeting in a group that we had, he said, you know, I had a great day yesterday, uh, and, and my meditation was going well. I had a lot of concentration, mindfulness, and I was really happy. And, and I started thinking about, wow, this is so cool. And if I did this for a while, maybe I could quit my job, and I could you know, go back and become a monk in Burma, and you know, meditate in a cave and get really enlightened. And it'd be so cool, and I'd be so peaceful and happy, and I'd be this great monk, and I could start teaching. And it's this whole you know, story about this identity, about him being a great meditator. And then, because he got so wrapped up in his story and so excited about the whole project of being this great enlightened person, <laughs> then his meditation started to fall apart because he started f- just thinking and 
fantasizing and how could he get out of work and make some money to get a monk. And, uh, and then at the end of all that, you know, he got so rattled and disturbed and distracted and that he wanted to leave the retreat. He got so fed up with the meditation because it got so difficult because he couldn't stop all this anxious thinking that he just got fed up with the whole thing and wanted to leave. So he went from wanting to be a monk to wanting to skip the retreat. <laughs> so this is the story making of the mind, right? That so we take the simple data of our experience, which in his case was, you know, his meditation was happened to be quiet and, and peaceful in the end for some time, and then made a lot of stories about it in, a po- in one direction. And then when, his, when the conditions changed and the experience was unpleasant and difficult, made a lot of other stories about it. And then we usually act on those stories, usually to our detriment, if we're not, if we're not seeing that we're acting from that story. Yeah? I mean, it's fine to make it. This is fine to, to to be discerning and make wise action, wise choices, but usually we're reacting and not seeing how caught up we are in it. So one of the things I want to use as the, as the doorway today is to understand the changing nature of the sense of self. That our sense of self is never static, just as our mind is never static. <coughs> that we actually, what's more true is we, uh, we take birth, as it were, in a myriad of selves. It's just, just as I spoken to a little earlier, that the sense of self is always changing depending on the context and the conditions, the environment. So notice how you woke up this morning. Maybe you were, you know, what, what, what's, what self did you take birth in as you woke up this morning? Maybe you were tired, maybe you were grumpy, oh, I don't want to go to Spirit Rock, mm. <laughs> it's too early, mm, there's my coffee. Or maybe it was, oh, I'm so excited, it's a great day, it's beautiful, it's spring, it's, I'm happy, you gotta just meditate all day, oh. You know. And so it's the happy one that takes birth. You know? And then you check your email and there's a lot of work stuff that came and you didn't, you didn't want to get sucked into and it dragged you down, you suddenly start feeling really agitated, you're the agitated one. And that sense of self that was all bright and happy with spring is now suddenly really contracted and vexed. And then on it goes, you know, and then you, and then you have breakfast with your partner or family and it's suddenly all sweet again and they've cooked you breakfast and now life is good and made you a nice coffee and you start to feel brighter and, you know, and then it, you know, and then it changes, you know, you get a phone call and someone's mad at us. And, uh, so to see the changing nature of this movement of self. So rather than being caught in the duality of is there a self, is there not a self, to just understand the, 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 the flux, that we're always in flux. And none is any more real than any other. Some are more familiar and habitual. Maybe we, maybe we have a habitual sense of self of feeling worthless, feeling unworthy, 
or feeling special, or feeling entitled, or feeling whatever your particular predilection is. As many people are in the room, there'll be many, you know, grooves, tendencies. So today, pay attention to the changing nature of self. Maybe this morning is you're, you're bright and you're alive and feeling curious or inquisitive. And then you know, that will change as the day goes on. Yeah. Bored or restless or more curious or excited or you have an insight or, you know, you can't, or you're feeling who knows what will, will arise. But to, to make space for that changing, changing ground So from the perspective of mindfulness and awareness, it's just, as I've said, the next thing taking, the next thing unfolding. To hold it lightly. The Buddha said, uh, which is your true self, the self of yesterday, that of today, or that of tomorrow, for whose preservation you clamor? Which is the true self? Can we say any one of them is more true than anything else? They're just flowing. So, um, Let's take a short break and then we'll come back to uh, do some practice. Um, so let's keep silence today in when we're in, the, in here. So um, and just so to allow you to stay present to what we're talking about and your experience. So we'll take a five minute stretch break, pee break. And uh, we'll come back for some (coughs) sitting and inquiry. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.